Hello, Governance Warriors. You're tuned in to the San Kilos Payan, the podcast, your go-to podcast on governance and nation building. Brought to you by the Institute for Solidarity in Asia, this podcast aims to shed light on various governance issues and encourage more Filipinos to take ownership of their role in shaping the future of our country. For our first episode, we'll talk about building our dream Philippines, its promises and challenges. To lead the discussion, here's one of ISA's trustees, Mr. Guillermo Luz. Welcome everyone to the first episode of the Isang Kilos Bayan, the podcast, your go-to podcast on governance and nation building. I am Bill Luz, a trustee of the Institute for Solidarity in Asia, and on behalf of ISA, I would like to thank our listeners for tuning in. Likewise, I would like to thank our guest speakers for graciously accepting our invitation. <clears throat> for our first episode, we shall tackle ISA's advocacy on our dream Philippines. Today's episode is entitled, Building Our Dream Philippines, Its Promises and Challenges. The COVID-19 pandemic has truly brought various challenges to all sectors, both private and public. On top of this, several societal problems continue to arise which makes it difficult for many to find hope for a better future. <clears throat> However, though times have been difficult, especially with the COVID-19 pandemic, the Institute for Solidarity in Asia continues to believe that there's hope for the future of the country. Guided by good governance, ISA continues to move forward in achieving their dream Philippines. In this podcast, we shall unpack the concept of our dream Philippines, its promises <laughs> and the challenges in working towards that goal. To help us understand how we can contribute to this realization, we have with us two guests who are actually my core board members in ISA. Our first guest is the current vice chairman of the Institute for Solidarity in Asia. He is a key member in other organizations promoting public governance and corporate governance reform, such as the Center for Excellence in Governance, CEG, and the Institute of Corporate Directors, ICD. Through the years, he has written several books, a novel entitled Patriots on the Street, and a personal governance handbook entitled Crafting Your Own Roadmap. Let us please welcome Mr. Rex Drillon II. Good afternoon, Rex. Uh, thank you, Bill, and uh, thank you for having us here. And joining us also is a trustee and former president and CEO of ISA. He has published a book entitled 12 Little Things Every Filipino Can Do to Help Our Country. He is also a principal contributor to a book authored by our very own Chairman Emeritus, Dr. Jess P. Estanislao entitled Building Our Dream Philippines Through Good Governance and Responsible Citizenship. Let us welcome attorney Alex Laxon. Good afternoon, Alex. Uh, magandang hapon, Bill. Magandang hapon. Uh, magandang araw sa lahat ng mga nakikinig sa atin ngayon. Maraming salamat, Bill. Now, to begin with our discussion, as we all know, every Filipino has their own dream. A dream for themselves, for their loved ones, and for the country. In ISA, we have always worked towards the realization of our dream Philippines. So let us unpack that. How would you define our, our dream Philippines? So let me throw the first question to Rex, just to provide some background and a bit of context behind dream Philippines. How did this all start and when did this start, Rex? At the turn of the millennium in the year 2000, uh, our former president, Arab Estrada, was facing an impeachment hearing at the Senate 
And we were worried that uh, that could lead to some uh, possible uh, trouble if not properly done. So uh, our founder, Dr. Jesserson Islao, gathered about 60 friends, colleagues who uh, are patriots at heart and started to craft at the time uh, what we call the Philippines 2030. It's a roadmap uh, for the Philippines 2030. And the hope was that once we do the proposed roadmap, we'll give it to whoever would succeed Arab at the time, because we're not sure that the constitutional process would be respected. Uh, fortunately, uh, uh, it was Vice President Macapagal Arroyo who succeeded using the constitutional route. So we, uh, since we knew that uh, President Macapagal Arroyo was a very qualified uh, uh, leader, uh, to leave the country, uh, we took the back seat. And about uh, three or four years later, uh, Dr. Stanislaw uh, crafted what we would now call the National Solidarity Covenant, where in a way it's also uh, reflective of uh, Dream Philippines, but with emphasis on what the Filipino can do uh, in establishing that Dream Philippines. And later on, uh, Alex Lacson came up with this book in 2005 on 12 things we can do as patriots of this country. And that uh, was a very successful book. Fast forward to 2015, uh, during the presidency of Pinoy and uh, when uh, Secretary Balisakan was the NEDA Director General, he made a survey of, uh, of the of the country uh, looking for answers to the question of what does the Filipino envision for himself in a dream Philippine uh, environment and what does the Filipino uh, envision the Philippines to be. Uh, this was uh, started in 2015 and uh, it took two years to complete uh, with 10,000 uh, respondents and they came up with a beautiful uh, statement of the aspirations of the Filipino for himself and for the country. It's called Ambition Natin. Then Duterte came in and at the prodding of the private sector, uh, the new NEDA uh, Director General, uh, Ernie Pernia, uh, uh, was able to convince President Duterte to issue Executive Order Number 10, uh, mandating all government agencies, national and local agencies, to align their uh, roadmaps to the Ambition 2040. And uh, in 2018, uh, Dr. Stanislaw came out of this book with uh, co-authored with some other uh, personalities who uh, are one with Dr. Jess in the concept of Dream Philippines. And uh, in from from then on, we have tried to develop uh, the to put flesh into the original concept of uh, Dream Philippines, which by the way, the concept and the description was also crafted by uh, our other guest of honor today, uh, Attorney uh, Alex Lacson, who gave a beautiful definition of what Dream Philippines was supposed to be. So that's the 20 year history of this uh, uh, Dream Philippine movement. It's, uh, it's taking some time, but you know, even, uh, even the journey through the desert uh, took the Jews uh, 40 years. So we still have uh, 
20 more years to go. That's why 2040. Me, I, I actually like the question, how do you define Dream Philippines? And what is my defi personal definition of, of uh, Dream Philippines? No? Um, a Dream Philippines for me is a country where there is enough for everyone, where no one is left behind. A country where every Filipino family lives in comfort and in dignity, no? where every person may attain his dreams and his highest potential, however it may seem. A country where all these are possible because our government institutions, both at the national and local levels, practice good governance and deliver public services in the most effective and efficient manner. And because our political and government leaders serve the people instead of serving themselves. And finally, because our citizenry actively participate in building our nation. But our dream Philippines must be founded and must encapsulate the Filipino dream. The Filipino dream is the dream of the average Filipino for his or her family. And as was mentioned by Rex, uh, this Filipino dream was largely articulated and beautifully articulated by NEDA in its Ambition Natin 2040. Uh, NEDA, in its survey of 10,000 Filipinos nationwide, uh, revealed that the average Filipino dreams of a simple house for his family, a decent but stable job that can support the needs of his family, a good but affordable education for his children, affordable if not free health care, a car but only if possible, a travel once a year but not necessary a peaceful and orderly neighborhood. And I, if I may add, the respect for the Filipino in the world. If you would look at this Filipino dream, this is actually not an extravag extravagant dream. This is a dream for basic dignity and comfort living for a family. Since 2005, when I first wrote my book, uh, in essence, the problems are still the same, but they are... Uh, much worse, higher in scale, and uh, bigger, seguro, and weightier in terms of uh, weight and volume. We've talked about more complexity, uh, bigger problems, bigger scale. Now we have COVID uh, that complicates matters further. Uh, you know, there's some feeling of hopelessness and, and futility uh, among some people. And, uh, you know, we've been on a lockdown. Uh, pretty well of the economy for uh, more than a year. And the economy has, you know, we've all paid a, a high price for that. And the poor have paid the highest price at negative 9.6 GDP growth. So now you take a look at your dream. How do we capture that dream again? And how do we move in that direction? How do we move towards Ambition 2040? What is it you think we need to do? Let me start with the actual wording of Ambition 2040, because that captures what Alex was saying uh, earlier about what the Filipino wants for himself in the future and what he wants for the country. So for himself, the, in 2040, the Filipino uh, looks at enjoying a stable and comfortable lifestyle, secure in the knowledge that he has enough for his daily needs and expected expenses primarily medical expenses, 
that he can plan and prepare for his own and his children's future, that his family lives together in a place of his own, yet they have the freedom to go where they desire, protected and enabled by a clean, efficient, and fair government. So very modest, but very inspiring aspiration of the ordinary Filipino, as Alex calls it. And then what about the vision of the ordinary Filipino for his country? Well, he says that my country shall be a country where all citizens are free from hunger and poverty. Yeah. And the last 12 months, we have seen hunger uh, grow to 40% of the population and poverty by, the, I guess, the poverty line is now beyond uh, 30%. That we have equal opportunities and we don't have those enabled by a fair and just society that is governed with order and unity. I don't know about governance these days, but I don't think there is order and unity. And the last sentence in that vision statement of the Filipino for his countries, it is a nation where families live together, thriving in vibrant, culturally diverse and resilient communities. So uh, given those aspirations, of the Filipino for himself and for his country, uh, I think 2040 is still a doable uh, vision year. Uh, these are not uh, very difficult thing, things to achieve. Uh, we need a good leader to start with as, as, uh, as uh, defined by uh, Attorney Lacson that uh, we need a government that delivers leaders who serve. But I think the most important ingredient here is the citizens who get involved. That is why ISA and ICD in its drive to uh, improve governance in this country, whether in the public sector or on the, or on the private sector, is really go and try to develop the ultimate asset in governance, which is the individual. You may have the best governors, the best boards of directors, but you have lousy citizens and you have lousy corporate citizens. Governance cannot work in that environment. Let's start with the individual and go towards the leaders, no? Um, so Alex, uh, you know, you wrote your 12 things that every Filipino should do. And I, I agree that, you know, we all have a, a personal responsibility. Uh, in today's context, how would you, how would you recraft the message if you had to recraft it to get people? And do you believe, you know, it, it's a matter of uh, we don't have enough people who are responsible enough or, or is it that leadership is failing our people? If you ask me in the context of, uh, of nation building, especially in one of the most important duties of every citizen in this country is to elect good leaders for, um, for our people and for our country. And uh, uh, so I, I continue to believe that good citizenship is a vital component of the solution that we need uh, uh, for the problems in our country. Yeah, maybe in the last few years, there are two factors that in my mind have made us fall back no, from this dream Philippines. Number one is a leadership does, does not value so much good governance. Uh, I think that's one. Second is, of course, the pandemic. Uh, and, but this pandemic is too, too bladed. Uh, 
both sides. It's also bringing out in a very clear form and presentation the problems that we have in our country. No? Uh, and uh, our time at home right now give us so much time to think about what's, what is really wrong with us as a country and as a people. No? So uh, that's one. So I continue to believe that good governance is key, is crucial and essential uh, in every public institution, both national and local levels, because only through good governance that a public institution may perform its duties and deliver the services it's mandated to deliver to the public in the most effective and efficient manner. But at the same time, um, I believe that we need radical reforms. No, uh, Apart from good governance, we need radical reforms in certain sectors of our society. Uh, and these radical reforms can only be introduced if we have good leaders, leaders who believe in these radical reforms. So uh, before we can even talk about good governance and radical reforms, we must be able to elect good leaders. And good leaders is a function of active good citizenship. Uh, electing good leaders is a function of, of good citizenship, active, participative, uh, good citizenship. So the most important thing that we must do to ensure that uh, this dream, dream Philippines is attained, that good governance is implemented, that radical reforms are implemented, we must elect good leaders. Let me explain it in a straightforward way. If we can elect good leaders, we can introduce radical reforms. We can implement good governance in all public institutions, both at the national and local levels. We can encourage, we must encourage active citizen participation uh, citizenship, then we can realize our dream Philippines. We still have 20 years to go, and I believe it is enough time for us to achieve the dream Philippines. I'm glad that uh, <clears throat> Alex uh, emphasized the need for electing good leaders, and therefore the requirement of that is you have uh, intelligent voters. But it starts with a basic uh, step, and that is people should register to vote. There are 4 million uh, new voters in the 2022 elections. And these 4 million, most of them have not been tainted by the malpractices uh, that has been happening in, the, in decades no, of our uh, history. There's a big burden on the youth uh, to make things happen in 2022. So the reforms that we want uh, the governors that we want to elect, the good governors we want to elect, will not happen. If we have an indifferent uh, voting population, yeah. and I think it's, it's the youth that will make that difference in 2022. Okay, let, let's talk about elections, 2022. It's um, just a little over one year away, and uh, we have the filing of candidacies by October, just a few months away from now. You know, as a voter, I'm just given a list of people to vote for. And quite frankly, as a voter, the quality is a bit uneven, right? We get good candidates, we get bad candidates, and we have to elect a lot of people in a lot of positions. So what responsibilities would you also want to give on the leaders, on the candidates running for office? I guess let's divide it into two segments. The first segment is uh, during elections. 
uh, and right after and the second segment is after elections. The first segment uh, during elections, I hope that uh, they would really observe, uh, uh, you know, um, principles, good principles uh, of democracy. Uh, uh, number one, I hope that um, in terms of their message, uh, instead of just uh, instead na sumayaw lang, instead na kumanta lang, I hope that they would really discuss the issues and offer solutions to the problems of the people. And at the same time, I hope they would create that hope uh, uh, and uh, create that hope no, in, in their messages so that the people will, will, who listen to them will end up having hope no, after they listen to them. That's second. Sec this, the, the second point is uh, I hope that they would uh, uh, use uh, good good methods uh, in um, in the campaign. Um, I hope they would use the truth instead of manufacturing lies and um, and falsities and fake news. Uh, I hope they would um, uh, really appeal to the people, talk to the people, listen to the people instead of just uh, giving them uh, promises that they will not do. Uh, uh, after they get elected. So uh, those are my expectations and I hope to see these things from the candidates. I hope that their message is one that would generate hope from our people, that would promote uh, truth, justice, fairness, brotherhood, love, and uh, at the same time, message that would uh, try to solve the problems of our people. Now, after the elections, I expect them to be, of course, the best of the public servants that they ought to be. I expect them to, of course, no, uh, uh, to, to, to work on their promises, to deliver on their promises. But at the same time, I expect them to, to hopefully embrace the principles of good governance uh, and find solutions to the problems of the people. Uh, and maybe in whatever positions that they're running for, I hope they would look for radical solutions, commonsensical solutions that our people need to address their problems. Our institutions, I think, have not always been so strong and consistent in terms of holding people accountable for their, for their actions. Yeah. And they're going to be running for, for office. Uh, what institutions would you want to see strengthened so that the quality of leaders uh, improves because they are held accountable. As corporate executives, uh, we're all, all held accountable for uh, our performance and our behavior uh, as executives. Uh, what, what institutions and government should do that for, for, for our own leaders? But even if we have obstacles in coming up with the truth and the real vote, uh, we will continue to to fight our way. I think we have to work on as many institutions as possible. Uh, and that's why this voting for the right people uh, is very crucial because unless we break some of those corrupt, incompetent, and uh, mal-governors uh, in, in Congress, in the Senate, in, in the local, local government units, then we cannot really hope to see changes. Uh, and, and the only weapon that the people have is their vote and we need to strengthen that weapon. What institution can we uh, work with to ensure that uh, the results of the elections are 
protected. No, um, it's very difficult to work, of course, with with a system right now. No, uh, uh, but but part of the law of the elections is that um, uh, in every precinct after na nagbilangan, no, uh, and tapos pumasok na doon sa Picos machine, uh, a number of voters in that precinct could demand for a manual counting right after, right after. So, okay, okay lang, let them count it through the Picos machine, let them submit it doon sa municipal, but if there is a group of individual voters who are willing to demand for a manual counting of the results doon sa precinct nila, now you have a basis to determine kung tama ba yung pinadala. I, I didn't know that, Alex. Is that true? Ng elect- is there yeah, a law? Ng, ele- ng election officials doon sa... sa I have not checked this yet myself, uh, Rex. No, uh, I actually would like to check it, but I was told that it's a provision. It's there. So I, I want to check it myself. Yeah. So because if that is a provision, if that is allowed, then we should encourage. I think there are two sectors that we can ask. Maybe the religious community. And may, maybe the youth. No? And uh, that in every, in every precinct, let them demand for a manual counting of the results, but let them submit at the same time para hindi matigil yung proseso, but you have now a basis for questioning the results in that precinct. And as was reported doon sa municipal canvassing body. Again, what we need here is active citizen participation to ensure that the results that are submitted are really the ones that were voted by the people. Yeah, yeah that's very interesting. So. It seems then, I would say, that central to achieving the dream Philippines seems to be uh, a strengthening of our democracy and democratic practices, starting with voter registration, voter education, the actual voting and counting process, and of course, the uh, fielding of good qualified candidates into office. And once they're into office, that they are held accountable for their actions. Those are the five things. And I think if those are followed, it seems to me then that it's possible that these reforms uh, that Alex is looking for might become a reality one day, but we need to start with this process. Is that something Rex that you would see? Because in terms of timing, we can't do everything now, so is this something that we all should put an effort towards? The 2022 elections, the registration of voters, voter education, and cleaning up the voting process. Yes, as a matter of fact, uh, we should support the election 2022 coalition, which is uh, headed by former Comelec chairman Chris Monsod. And I would encourage Alex to reconvene the PCM uh, and, and, and if we can mobilize more and more uh, nonpartisan citizen participation in just making sure people uh, are registered to vote, because that's the first step. And then that the vote, uh, the vote, vote education can come after registration. So, you know, at this time with COVID, the pandemic, people still waiting for vaccines rising cases, uh, people feel uh, 
you know, very negative, very dejected, very uh, uh, almost that feeling of, of helplessness and, 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 and that it's hopeless, no? Uh, at the same time, though, we can see silver linings behind these clouds. Uh, one of the one of the things I think that we see is that how people have banded together, how people have exercised their Bayanihan spirit, and how public officials uh, perform differently in the same circumstance of crisis. Some do exceedingly well. Uh, with you know minimal budget, some do terribly, uh, even with all the budget. So, how would you see that? What you're reading today? Do you see silver linings out there, and how can we build on that uh, to leverage towards back to the dream Philippines? Because after all, at the end of the day, that that is the objective: the dream Philippines, the ambition 2014. Rex, how do, how do you see things? Is there is there hope? Is there uh, oh, defi definitely is there, is there reason for optimism? And how can we build on that optimism? Definitely, one of the most powerful and inspiring stories in the last week is this phenomenon called Maginhawa community pantries. The concept of community uh, pantries, for example, is a is an initiative uh, that is catching fire all over the country because that is what we have missed. And there is hope because that was not started by a, uh, a huge company uh, operating malls or operating uh, major uh, industries, but by a small entrepreneur in a small barangay in Quezon City and uh, has mobilized uh, the citizens of that barangay to give according to their capacity and to receive according to their needs. No? It, it's a very Christian, it's a very Christian principle of to each according to his need from each according to his capabilities. Uh, and that seems to be catching the country uh, on fire. So a similar movement like that, where you harness the energy of the people, no? not necessarily the moneyed class, the ordinary Filipino, I think, is basically a patriot at heart. And if they can see spontaneous events like this, I, I remember when we went to Batanes uh, several years ago, we had a store there called the Honesty Store. And I was Honesty surprised. Store. People were buying things there and putting money in the box. That nobody, there was no supervision. There was no, uh, was this, a CCTV cameras making sure people pay for what they got. But basing it on the basic uh, on the principle that people are basically good and i think that's what happened in maginhawa uh, even the even the one who invented that idea didn't realize that it was such a powerful idea because it was based on the goodness of the filipino mm -hmm. and i think that is where we need uh, to push the, the uh, dream philippine movement not just to elect the right leaders and, uh, and so on but really to push for responsible citizens and uh, defined in the book of uh, Alex and with a few more additions like, you know, uh, responsible citizens are those who are children of God, who are patriots of the country, devoted family men and women who live balanced lives. 
are persons of character for the common good. So the more responsible citizens uh, we can uh, tap to do this transformation program uh, for a dream Philippines, I think uh, the better chance to do. And, and we have time to do it there. In 20 years, I'm sure we can come up with a lot, <laughs> many more responsible <laughs> citizens, uh, despite of the wrong leaders that we have. You're a very patient man, uh, Rex. <laughs> But our people don't have 20, or some people don't have 20 years, right? Because they're really in a tough situation. So Alex, ben, I mean, yeah. Rex brings up that great idea of the community pantries. Yeah. yeah. How would you see that and create, you know, uh, a whole yeah. uh, concept around yeah. what to do for the country? I listed down while it talking, no? um, I have eight items here that I think server, silver linings uh, mm. from this uh, cloudy pandemic thing, that crisis that we have right now. I think it's bringing out that it's reviving that uh, Bayanian spirit in a different way. Uh, really people taking care of each other. Right now, it, it was begun by just one in Maginhawa Street where I stayed uh, when I was a student uh, in Diliman. Um, and um, now it's being copied all over the country. So the spirit is there, that Bayanian spirit. And I think it's just the beginning. This is just the beginning of a beautiful thing that is going to unfold in the days, in the weeks, and maybe months to come, no? Uh, this Bayanian spirit. Second, um, Bill, I think the people are not as afraid anymore today. They are not as scared anymore. Hindi mo na sila pwedeng takutin ngayon. People are fighting right now. Um, Kung tingnan mo lang sa social media, kung napansin niyo yung mga trolls sa social media, they are not as aggressive anymore because people are pushing back. People are fighting. In fact, kung na-notice niyo, the trolls in social media are getting less and less. Pakunti sila na pakunti. At yung mga responses nila, not as hindi na ganun katapang at hindi na ganun kabastos as before, no? Uh, so I think these are Good signs. I think, siguro, the decent people are trying to recover this space in social media because they're fighting it out. No, uh, the fourth thing, Bill, is that I think young leaders are, uh, the, in the case of Mayor Vico and Mayor Isco, and this 23-year-old young mayor in Ilocos. No, um, I forgot the name. Uh, they are inspiring a lot of young Filipinos out there to take a chance to run for council, to run for mayor, maybe to run for congressman uh, in their respective areas. So itong emergence ni na Mayor Vico, these young leaders, no, I think it is inspiring a lot of young Filipinos out there. No, uh, We'll see that in these 2022 elections. And at the same time, uh, ito yung pang fifth na comment ko, Bell, the political leaders in the LGs right now are, are either... Uh, either na-expose or na-promote lalo yung good things, good deeds that they're doing, but if not also doing well, performing well, na-expose sila because of the social media. Now, I think social media awareness of people during the pandemic has been heightened. No? Lalong naging social media savvy ang marami sa atin. No? And uh, uh, because online ang karamihan, I think this is very empowering to a lot of people, including the poor, no? Very empowering itong uh, naging social media 
savvy at naging online na ang maraming transactions. No? And including in the business sector, Bill, I think um, I'd like to really commend this no? because yung, the effort of the share field uh, where the business owners are also recognizing the pitfalls and the uh, siguro yung mga pagkukulang ng, ng, uh, ng our economic system no? that they're now promoting shared prosperity, inclusive capitalism, inclusive development to ensure that those who work within their own corporate backyards are able to receive more you know, from the blessings of uh, the companies of the businesses. And I think all these things put together are silver linings, things that we can look forward to with so much hope for a better country. Now, before we close, let me give you both the last word on what you think it's gonna take. What kind of sacrifice are you prepared to give to achieve our dream, Philippines, your own personal uh, uh, movement or work, your contribution that people may be inspired from, for you know, so for us to achieve a dream, Philippines, what would you do? Yeah, uh, siguro in three ways, Bill. Uh, of course, number one, um, I. I, I really believe what ISA is doing, which is uh, introducing good governance in every institution in the country, national and local level, uh, in strengthening the, the uh, good governance foundation of every public institution in the country. No? I really believe in that. No? So I will continue helping that and uh, for as long as uh, they welcome me there. No? Second, on my own personal capacity and my family, uh, me, as I continue to write, I continue to speak whenever people invite me. I continue to promote uh, hope. I continue to build hope, to sow hope. Now, I, I call myself sometimes as a, uh, as, as advocate or builder of hope. No? So in my speeches, in my writings, in my, uh, in, in my books. No? And thirdly, I, uh, I have started a social enterprise uh, a few months ago, which tries to give a, a small business for a poor family in the urban and rural area, a small business that they can do inside their, their, their houses. No? For instance, uh, tilapia raising within their house using uh, plastic drums that they can do inside their house where they can raise 10 pieces of tilapia every week and so it will add to their uh, food security in the farm. It's not much, but it will provide, no? uh, including rabbit racing within their small house or quail racing within their small house in an urban setting or including uh, raising vegetables, the, base, the basic vegetables no? uh, they can raise within their small house, small places uh, in, in urban uh, set, setting. Uh, I've started that and I'm committed to do this uh, to help whatever way. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Bill. No? And of course, um, to help in electing good leaders for our country. Okay, thank you, Alex. How about you, Rex? Uh, your last word. I start with the idea that ang pag-asa ng bayan wala sa Malacanang. Ang pag-asa ng bayan nasa bayan bayan. Uh, and therefore, I would you asked what are my personal suggestions uh, that have not been. Well, first, and the one 
cheap thing people can do is to buy the book of Alex if it is still available because that has gone through 13 printings, I think. And I'm not sure whether it's still available in national bookstore, but there's a very powerful book, uh, short, concise, simple, insightful, but it in 12, uh, in 12 examples, he tells us what we can do to become good Filipinos. Then we, in ISA and ICD, we already also started to offer the personal governance workshop for those who, who want to uh, be able to help uh, uh, people govern others better. They have to first govern themselves better. And we have that course available now. Uh, it's jointly offered by ISA and ICD. And that's using the recent book that I published as, as a reference material. Then I will encourage ISA to continue pushing this advocacy uh, because the more LGUs and NGAs we, we influence in good governance, doing good governance, then the more, mataas ang multiplier effect ng mga mayor at saka mga, mga government uh, uh, bureaucratic leaders from cabinet secretaries to regional directors and so on and so forth. And, and, uh, and finally, uh, to the general audience, uh, there, everything starts with you guys registering to vote. If you haven't yet, please do so. And once you have registered, make sure you vote and you help others vote wisely and get involved in voter education, voter recruitment, and so on and so forth. And then make sure that that vote is, count, uh, is, is counted. So I will research on what Alex said earlier about the provision in the, uh, in the election law where the community can demand a manual count right after the automated uh, uh, count uh, because that's a very powerful deterrent to any, uh, any shenanigans. And the other thing is to convince your friends, your parents, your, uh, your, your, your relatives not to sell their votes. I think if you can do all of those five, I think Let me close by saying that, you know, one of my sources of optimism that I've seen in this last year, in spite of all the problems and in spite of crisis, is that I have seen so many cases of ordinary citizens acting on their own to try to help other ordinary citizens. And uh, we see this on a daily basis all throughout this COVID period from the way our healthcare frontliners have taken care of patients, but also how citizens have supported healthcare frontliners by donating food to healthcare frontliners and uh, citizens uh, offering uh, assistance to others, uh, to those in need, all the way to today's community pantry uh, phenomenon and movement that we are seeing now. I've seen many companies, large and small, also help uh, in uh, assisting uh, many other institutions to try to address the COVID response. And I've seen some good leadership uh, among elected officials who do really well in addressing uh, the crisis in their own communities. And so those for me are some sources of inspiration, of hope and of optimism. And it leads me to conclude that in fact, if we work together, uh, we can achieve a lot of good, good things. Let me just say that if there's one indicator and this is addressed 
Rex, you know, to the voters looking for are there good candidates out there? For me, one indicator to watch is watch how the vaccination program runs in your city because the person in charge is the mayor. And so he's the ultimate frontline manager of how well or how poorly a vaccination program will run in your city. He's not responsible for everything, but he does have to exercise a lot of leadership to make sure it succeeds. So uh, keep a very close eye on how it goes in your city. So on behalf of the Institute for Solidarity in Asia, I would like to extend our deepest gratitude to our guest today, our very own vice chairman, Mr. Rex Drillon, as well as to one of our distinguished trustees, attorney Alex Laxon. You. Your participation for this episode is greatly appreciated, and we're sure that moving forward, our listeners will were truly inspired to take part in building our dream Philippines. And I think since this is our uh, premiere show, I think uh, <laughs> you are uh, playing a very significant role in inspiring others uh, to follow after you and to also uh, generate more optimism and, and hope about creating our dream Philippines. Once again, this is Bill Luz, and this has been the first episode of Isang Kilos Bayan, the podcast version, your go-to podcast on governance and nation building. We hope to see you again in the next episode. Thank you for joining us on today's hashtag Isang Kilos Bayan podcast episode. You can listen to more episodes here on Spotify. Don't forget to share this episode with your family, friends, and colleagues. Follow us at EsaCenterPH on Facebook and Instagram and make sure to visit our website at www.esacenter.org. Once again, this is Ollie De La Cruz and this has been the Isang Kilos Bayan, the podcast. See you again in the next episode.